0: We continue with our study on Acts, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, part 5. Before the Acts, uh, part 2.3, we have seen the, under part 2.3, we have seen that there's a prophecy of our having the divine nature. We've seen also the principles, the provision and the procedure that God has put in place to enable us experience the divine nature and finally we began last week to look at the practice what 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 really happens and brings us to the practicality of this divine nature remember we used the example of somebody who is moving from secondary school to becoming an undergraduate and yet wants to continue to live like a secondary, uh, secondary school student even though in reality he's an undergraduate we use that to, ex- to explain that you and I already are in Christ, but many of us are still living like we are not in Christ. So it says, Reckon yourself to be dead with Christ and alive to righteousness. You must consider yourself to be dead. You are no longer a secondary school student, you are now under, an undergraduate. Live like that. Consider yourself to be dead to Christ, uh, to, to, to sin rather, and alive to righteousness. Live like that. Live in that manner. Live in such a way that it can be said that you are no longer a carnal person, but a spiritual person. I think we we looked at, um, we we concluded with James chapter 1, where we talked about the magnet and the magnetic material. Magnet will only attract something that has a magnetic material within it. For example, magnet will not attract a piece of wood, but it will attract that piece of wood if there is a nail inside that piece of wood. In the same way, sin or whatever the world throws at us cannot successfully tempt us if the desire in our hearts to be attracted to that thing is missing. For example, the reason why a lot of people fall captive or victim. To 419 people is because of greed in their hearts. If you are not greedy, you will not fall captive. If greed has been removed from your heart, there is no amount of money they are dangling before your face that will attract you. This evening, we want to conclude on before the Acts part 2.3. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we look at Romans chapter uh, chapter 12 verse 2, the first word there is the word and. That word and we know it to be a word that joins two statements together. So that means we need to look at verse 1. In reading verse 1 of Romans chapter 12 it says, I beseech you therefore... Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Even the first verse, when you look at it, there is another joining word. What's that word there? Therefore, after, after going through chapters 1 through to 11, it says, as a result of all of these things, you are dying to sin, You're being alive to righteousness. You're living like a child of God. You're not allowing... um, You're not living like old Israel, but now living like new Israel. As a result of this, I am begging you, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable act of service. You have to present yourself to God in a way that will be acceptable to Him. God will only accept... That person that has died to sin. That person that is alive to righteousness. He says, It's your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. And then he now goes on, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So let's begin to look at some of the key words that are operating in this in verse 2. He says, he uses the word conformed. The word "conform" is to be fashioned along a particular line. To be, to, be, to be formed in line with something. So do not be formed along the lines of the world. I think there is one translation that says, don't allow yourself to be forced into the mold of the world. Don't let the world dictate to you how you should live. You used to be of the world. Your fashion should no longer be of the world. You cannot wear dresses that the world calls sexy. You cannot wear clothing that is exposing parts of your body. Don't forget, you are what now? A living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable to God. There are things that you can no longer do. This was a problem for uh, princess Diana. She was a commoner who became a princess. But she wanted to continue to live like every other person. She wanted the freedom that the royal family would not give to her. Eventually she had to divorce from the royal family. She parted ways because she couldn't live that life. But the princes in the royal family, they were, they, that was how they were trained from when they were children. Not to be conformed To a different life. But that lifestyle that they have. But the princess could not. Even though they called her a princess. They gave her everything that she required. Deep within her. She was unwilling to be conformed to that lifestyle. And she just had to get out of it. The same thing happens to us. We used to be commoners. Now we are holy. Acceptable unto God. There is a lifestyle that is required of people who are holy. That lifestyle... Does not come by observation. So it says, and do not be conformed to this world. The lifestyle of the world, the way the world talks, the way the world do things. For example, you look at the the way the world takes decisions. They take decisions based on observation. For the believer, we don't take decisions that way. Our decision making comes from above. We are told what to do. We, we We don't figure things out. We are told what to do. He says, "But be transformed." The word "transform" is to change your form. So it's asking you to change the, your fashion. Don't be fashioned along the lines of the world, but change your fashion. Another another way, another word, brother, for that word transformed is be transfigured. The Lord Jesus was transfigured on the mount of transfiguration, and they saw how His shine was, how His clothes, brother, was glistening and shining with brilliance. And the others were not transformed. They were not transfigured. So, you have to be transformed. Where? How, do, how does he expect us to be transformed? By what? The renewing of the... What, that, what is that word talking about? That word renewing. Is it saying we should, we should uh, go and wash our minds and then use it? No. That word renewing actually means to change the mind. You can use the word exchange. So be transformed by the exchanging of your mind. You must remove the mind of the world, which you already have, and have the mind of Christ, which you didn't have. There can be no transformation until the mind is changed to that of Christ. That is when you and Christ are thinking alike. You have the same mind, you have the same purpose, you are going in the same direction. Doing the same things as is expected of you. He says, so that, I'm the one adding so, but that is what he says. So that you may prove. That word prove again is is, is, is referring to what happens when you pick a metal. They say this metal is gold. If you want to prove that that metal is gold, what do you do? You put it in fire. If it is pure gold, it will melt and you will see the gold back. But if it is impure gold, all the impurities will be consumed by that fire. If there is any gold at all, that's the only thing that you will have left. So you could pick a big bar of what is called gold. By the time it goes through the, um, the gold furnace, all that will come out is what is pure gold. Every other thing that is not gold will be burnt off. So that's what it's saying here now. When you have that mind, you will be able to test whether something is the will of God or not. And that test is going to be like when you are testing gold. It will go through a furnace to filter out everything that is canal. So your decision making, for example, cannot be the way the world makes decisions. The world looks at what is going on now and takes a decision based on that. But God has seen more beyond where you are today. And is telling you what to do. But if you don't have the mind of Christ... You will not be able to accept what God is saying to you. Do you understand that? You will reject it. That you may prove what is that, not the will of God. Number one, it is what? Good. Number two, what is, it is acceptable to who? To God. Now, if you don't have the mind of Christ, you are not going to see the will of God as good. You are not going to see the will of God as acceptable. In fact, you will reject it. And finally, he says it is perfect. If you don't have the mind of Christ, you will want to tinker with the will of God to add or subtract something. But when you have the mind of Christ, to you the will of God is good. It is acceptable and it is perfect. So it doesn't matter what happens. For a child of God, what he needs to do is, Lord, is this thing in your will? Now I need to explain something to Ross. Many of us conclude that an event is the will of God. That is true to an extent. To the extent that that event is leading eventually to the will and purpose of God. Do you understand that? For example, Joseph taken as a prisoner was the will of God. Insofar as it was leading Joseph to the throne in Egypt. But if in that uh, being in bondage, they were taking him to Saudi Arabia and not to Egypt. That would not be the will of God. So people might be going through the same experience. But what makes it the will of God is that that event is taking you exactly to the purpose that God had planned. I think it's in First in Peter also that the Bible says that we can suffer according to the will of God. So there's a suffering that is not in accordance with the will of God. So we need to understand. Now, where that suffering is in accordance with the will of God, then it is good. Do you understand that? It is acceptable. And it is Perfect. You can rejoice in that event. You can rejoice in all of that. To to put it a a little bit further. When we talk of the will of God, we are speaking essentially of what was in the mind of God from the foundations of the world. You see, God's will is not something that He just thinks of today. His will has been predetermined. The, the, The Acts of the Apostles talked about the predetermined counsel of God in handing Christ to Potiphar. Now, for you and I, if we didn't have the mind of Christ, we would query it. Why do you have to hand over your son to be killed? Why not rescue him if you have that power? Do you understand that? But because we now have the mind of Christ, it's okay. The cross, for example, is a very gory thing. It's an execu- it talks about an execution. Why would I delight in the cross? Only because I have the mind of Christ. Because that mind was in him, therefore he went to the cross. Philippians 2 tells us that. He says, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus who did not count it robbery to be equal with God. But humbled himself, surrendered himself, submitted himself to be uh, uh, um, executed uh, 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 at the cross. Such an ignoble death. How many of us would want a preacher? They say a preacher. Is been executed. For what? For armed robbery. Ah, how does, that, how does that glorify God? But if God orchestrated that that is how you are going to glorify Him, then that is how you are going to glorify Him. As far as God is concerned, what they are doing to you is what? Good. It is what? Acceptable. And it is what? Perfect. It was this understanding that they had that made people like Philip to be praying, Father do not hold this against them. That made the Lord Jesus to pray and say, Forgive them for they know not what they are doing. It was such an understanding that made people like Paul and Silas in prison to be glorifying God. They were not praising God because they wanted to be rescued from the prison. Do you understand? We, when, we, when we read the Bible, we already have some preconceptions. That they must have been praying because they, know that they knew that praise and prayer will bring deliverance. What they were actually doing was their normal pattern. It was normal for them before they sleep to pray and to, 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 to praise God. But in that very act, I believe, the Spirit of God took over. And uh, prison doors were flung open. Now, if they did not have the mind of Christ, once the prison door was flung open, and the jailer was trying to kill himself, what do you think they would do? they say, let say, let him kill himself first. Then we can run. But because they had the mind of Christ, they, it, they came to a realization that this whole event was about this man. And they could preach salvation to the man. When you have the mind of Christ, you don't have an enemy that is a human being. We already have our enemy. Who is our enemy? Satan and his demons. But there is no human being that is an enemy to a believer. Even the human being who wants to kill you is not your enemy if you have the mind of Christ. It is this work of transformation that is bringing us to this place of the practice of the divine nature now without this transformation you cannot be effective in practicing in in living the divine nature i know that we've been looking at the divine nature we've been speaking about the matter of sin and other things but it goes beyond that we know that whatever is not of faith is sin whatever is a negative is sin right but more than that we want to look at it in the, to, the, to the extent that we are discussing the, the things that God wants. So the divine nature will always agree with the mind of God. Which is also the mind of Christ. Remember the Bible tells us in First Corinthians chapter 2. Let's, let's look at that very briefly. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. Verse 6. Well let's read it from 14. It says... Or oh, let me take it from 13. First Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 13. We'll read through to 16. These things we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches. But which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. There are some things that the word of God is teaching. It, it, it does not agree with the wisdom of men. It does not agree with the wisdom of the world. But it is the wisdom of God. In verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are what? Foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man cannot accept the things of God. The natural man will look at what God is doing and consider it to be foolishness. The natural man cannot accept. For example, that if you are a Christian, you should suffer for the sake of Christ. That man does not see the sense in it. He says, well, if Christ suffered for me, why do I need to suffer again? But the man who has the nature of God in him, the divine nature of God in him, is more than glad to suffer for Christ. Do you, do you understand that now? The, the, the man who is carnal cannot understand, for example... I am a Christian. How come I am not being promoted in my office? So he comes to church seeking the, uh, the people of God to pray for his promotion. He does not understand that God needs him in that seat. And that, that promotion is going to take him away from that seat. Do, do, do you get where we are going to here? So the divine nature is that nature when, which when it is transformed becomes one with the plan and purpose of God at every turn. You cannot find a transformed man, a man whose heart has been transformed by the renewal of his mind and now has the mind of Christ, to complain and murmur and grumble at, every, at any circumstance whatsoever. It's amazing how Muslims who are not born again have this understanding that we don't have. Whenever anything happens to them, what do they say is the will of God? They say it's the will of God. We will go bonkers. We will say everything. But they start with one thing. It is the will of God. And they they don't understand this thing. But they have been schooled to accept that they have no control over life's matters. Meanwhile, the world has schooled us that we have control over life's matters. And sadly, many of us have brought it into the church of God. Where we can dictate. We talk of take your destiny in your hands. I'm sure you've heard messages like that. There is somebody who is a destiny helper. There is somebody who is a destiny. He will change your destiny. And when they are talking about they are not talking about Christ. They are talking about some man somewhere. And yet we are not supposed to think like that. We are not to act in that manner. We are not to look at ourselves as people of the world. But rather as people of God. In verse 15 it says, But he who is spiritual judges all things or proves all things. Yet he himself is right is rightly judged by no one. In verse 16, for who has known what? The mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have what? The mind of Christ. We we have the mind of Christ, and so we have the ability to know all things. Now it brings me to a particular discussion. I find many of us getting excited when certain things happen. God told us A, and we see it happen. And yet, the information we have is incomplete. Because we don't know why that thing has happened. Do you understand? We, 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 can, we can prophesy that, oh, this man is going to the UK. But our information is incomplete because he doesn't, we don't know why that man is going to the UK. So the man gets excited about the UK. Not, be, not, not because he knows the purpose of God for him going to the UK but because he believes he's not going to a country where he will enjoy electricity, where he will be able to feed, and so on and so forth. That's all he sees. And the moment he gets into the UK and begins to suffer, he can understand what's going on. I thought this place is a place for enjoyment. You know, he becomes upset. He can even become upset with the man who prophesied. But he didn't seek to find out, why am I going to the UK? He doesn't understand why. A lot of what people call prophecy is so incomplete that... To, to hold on to it will create frustration and confusion in your life. Because once one word is missing in that prophecy. Why? I'm sure you've heard that, 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 that statement that people make. I didn't go to Lagos to look at uh, over a bridge. I went to hustle. I went to get some money. I went for this. I went for that purpose. There must be a purpose to where, why you are going there. You just don't get excited, oh, God, the truth of God says there's somebody here who will go to America. You start jumping up, hey, hey. hey. Why are you going to America at this time? You don't know. You just want to carry your bag and run there. There's no purpose to it. But when we have the mind of Christ, we know these things instinctively, instinctively. If you were to find yourself in the presence of God, for example, you are going to be seen, if God were to open your eyes, you will see events. That will, that are, you will see so many things happening at the same time. Some of them may not happen for the next hundred years, if Christ dies. But you are seeing them. You remember Daniel and his vision. Daniel was shown certain things. In fact, at one point in time, he fainted. Because he, made, he didn't understand it. You see, an, you see an animal that's looking like a leopard, and yet it has four heads. Ah, what is going on? You, you start wondering what's happening. Until the angel came and gave him explanation. For those who truly have the mind of Christ, they always want to seek why. They are not satisfied to just get a message. The Lord, what is the purpose of this message? What is my role in this? And then God tells them, don't worry, you have nothing to do with it. I'm just telling you. So he knows why he has been told. Many of us don't even know why we have been told things. We just broadcast. Sometimes God does not want you to say what he has told you to anybody. But because we want to prove that we can prophesy, we start talking. And when the happens, we are happy. But we still don't know why it happened. Praise the name of the Lord. So that it is very crucial that as believers, we must have a change. I'm going back to Romans now, verse 2. We must have that change in our mind. It must be changed. If we go to the scripture text, which is Ephesians chapter 4, one of the scripture texts, Ephesians chapter 4, and we read, I'll just read briefly, from verse twenty to twenty-four. It says, But you have not so learned Christ. You have not learned Christ as the way the, the unbelievers behave. We have learned Christ differently. In verse 21 it says, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Look at verse 23. And what? Be renewed. The same word. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let your mind be changed. In verse and verse, says, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The renewed, the renewed mind enables you to put on what now? The new man. You cannot put on the new man while you have the old mind. You remember when the Lord gave the the parable concerning the the new the new 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 wine and new wine skin. He said nobody puts new wine in old wineskin. It's going to tear it. You cannot put the new mind, the, the mind of Christ inside the old man. Do you understand? There's gonna be a problem. You're gonna have enmity, you're gonna have quarrel. So for you to put for for you to have the new mind. You must put it in the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So this is the the matter. Now, if we go to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, and read from verse 14, read verse 14 and and 15. Paul is writing, he says, but God forbid that I should boast except in, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and i to the world the world has been killed to me what was the means by which the world was killed to him the cross the cross was the agent of execution what does that mean it means nothing in the world moves him he has died to the world and the world is dead to him i've used the illustration before of fufu and myself remember that illustration i used that no matter how wonderful the soup is that you have prepared. If there is no gari or pounded yam, leave me out of it. Or even, um, what do you call it? Wheat. Wheat flour or samuimita, count me out. If you bring fufu, you will eat the soup. It doesn't matter how many things you have put inside that soup. Put stock fish, put meat, put everything. I am not eating that soup with that fufu. So, in that expression, I have been crucified to what now? Fufu. And fufu has been crucified to... Fufu doesn't come near me. He knows that there is nothing you are going to do. You can wrap it, call it gold standard, call it if this Fufu came from Dubai, tell us that the best chef in the world prepared Fufu, Fufu knows that I'm not going to look at it. So, Fufu is dead to me as I am dead to Fufu. Do you understand? Now, what he's saying here is that the world does not even come to attempt to tempt him again. You remember, was it two, two Sundays ago, we discussed the matter of In our homes. That you will be tested where? In your home. Because in the home for example. The spouses know which button to push. You remember that. Now as they they are pushing that button. Each time you you react. They will keep pushing it. A time will come. When the nature of God is fully formed in you. And the new man. Which after God has been created. Through righteousness and holiness. Begins to manifest. They will be pushing the button. It will move you. At that point in time, what do we say? You have been crucified to that button. And that button, has because the button don't worry, it won't move you. Leave him alone. Do you understand? Now, as long as you are moved by that button, they will continue to push it. As long as you get angry when they make certain statements, the day Satan wants to upset you, he will get your spouse to make that statement. You will get angry. You will get upset. The day Satan wants to disgrace you outside, you will get somebody to make that statement. Your head will just catch fire. Before you know what's happening, you are fighting or abusing somebody. The next thing, they will see your face swollen. Because a few blows have landed. For daring to, to respond. But why, why was your spouse pushing that button inside the house? Because God did not want you to respond that way outside. So they were pushing that button at home so that you will overcome it. But you refused to. You got angry every time they pushed the button. You got upset every time they push the button. So when they push it outside, what happened? You responded. The divine nature is one that has been crucified to the world. And the world knows that this one has been crucified to me. It avoids it. I I, I remember the children of Israel who went into a strange land and began to ask questions. They felt they were grasshoppers to these giants. I think that is bad enough. You now go and ask the giants. Don't we look like grasshoppers to you? They say, oh, of course you are like grasshoppers. What does he want them to say? You have called yourself a grasshopper. The world knows that this man is... We, we have pushed every button possible. It's not affecting him anymore. So the world has gone its way. You have gone your way. In verse 15 he says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision are built anything but a new creation. Circumcision doesn't matter anymore. It's not, to, the, to the Galatians, when Paul was writing to them, The issue in their case was that after they got born again, some people came and told them that it is not enough to just make a statement of saying you are born again, you must be circumcised. So Paul was saying that whether you are circumcised or not is irrelevant. What is relevant is, are you a new creation? Has your mind been changed, been transformed, been transfigured to the mind of Christ? Have you been created anew? In true righteousness and holiness, that is the issue, and that is what the whole thing is about. Now we 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 are going to be looking at the expectation when this thing happens to you. You remember we've read up to verse twenty-four. We are now going to read verse twenty-five. Therefore, because this divine nature is in you, right? Because it has been, you, you now have the mind of Christ. Put. And you have put on the the new man. Right? Therefore, putting away what? Lying. You no longer have to tell lies. Many of us are too steep in craftiness. We will lie at every turn. Even when it comes to, why did you not come to church? Instead of honestly saying, quite frankly, I was tired. Uh, uh, My sister sent me somewhere. My auntie sent me somewhere. We come up with all kinds of stories. We start lying. Telling small, small lies that are that are not even will anybody beat you? Even if they will beat you, so what? Why are you lying? You are lying because maybe you are trying to protect an image, or you fear that person more than you fear God. Because if you fear God more than you fear the person, you will not tell a lie. Or for some other reason, or maybe you want to you want them to continue to see you as somebody who loves the Lord and loves church. There are many reasons why we tell lies. But not one of it is justifiable. But when the divine nature is in you, now you say when you have put on this nature. Because it's a new nature in a new man, they have to teach you how to walk with this new nature. Do you understand that? For example, a man had legs, he had an accident, they cut off the legs, and then they put they gave him prosthetic legs. He's never used it before in his life. You know he's not going to leave the hospital immediately. He will go through physiotherapy. First of all, they try to condition his mind that forget that you had legs. You no longer have legs. So start learning. This is what we are now giving you. Start learning to use it. They will tell him, fall in love with it. It's now your leg. Stop hating it. So they will get him to love what he has and use it. And right now the world is allowing people with prosthetics to even compete in Olympics. They are telling them it's their legs. So they are now it is is now your leg. Accept it. But you know there are some things that this new leg cannot do. He can't kick football the way you were kicking football with the old leg. So they will tell you what he can do and what he cannot do. And teach you what you can do with it. And then Expect you to practice it. They tell, it is my practice. Do it every day. After a while, it becomes a part of you. So it is. When you have the new nature, when we come to church, and you are hearing the word of God, what is the word of God now telling you? This is how this new nature behaves. The new nature does not tell lies. So that's what he's now saying. Therefore, putting away what lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. So no more lies. With this new nature, no more telling of lies. Be truthful, be honest. Why are you lying? Many of us are deceptive. We are, still, we are still practicing deception. We are yet to reckon ourselves dead to sin. So we are still living that sinful life in Christ. And there is a lot of commotion and confusion and even frustration in our lives. In verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Satan wants to use that anger. To get you to do something that you will regret. Have you noticed now how after you've committed, after you've done something wrong in anger, what happens? You, there's remorse. You'll be wondering, why Why did I get so angry? I slapped that man. I slapped that woman. I abused this person. I said this rubbish to this person. Why did I allow myself to get that to that place? So say, be angry and do not sing. Anger is an emotion. Don't bottle the emotion. Kill it. When 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 I was dealing with anger in my life, when somebody angered me, I would just go and look for a quiet room or take a walk and go and pray for one hour. There was one time when we were newly married. My wife angered me one day. I went and locked myself up in a room. After one hour of prayer, it didn't go. I prayed another hour. Two solid hours I was inside that place. Pray. To, to kill that anger. You must, if it's not, you don't, you don't say to the person, apologize. The apology doesn't mean anything. It's not going to abate, apology doesn't abate your anger. In fact, sometimes the person comes to apologize and say, eh, eh, uh-huh, you're yeah, not apologizing after you did. You did it on purpose. You did it on purpose. And you're coming to apologize. What are you apologizing for? Get away with your apology. I don't care about your apology. Because you haven't you have not dealt with that anger. Do you understand now? You didn't deal with it. You thought that the other person apologizing will deal with it. It doesn't deal with it. It makes you angrier the more. Because now you expect him to say the apology in a particular way. You say, even here how he's saying it. Casually. So, please, what should he do? He should kneel down, put his head on the ground and say, his son. how will you hear him? You say, he's even saying it in a muffled way. You start, you start looking for reasons to, that your anger will be boiling and boiling. In verse 27, we're not looking at the practicality of it. This is practical living in the divine nature. In verse 28, let him who stole, still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. There is no excuse for stealing. No excuse. When you have the divine nature in the new man, you have no excuse to steal anything. Instead, go and look for work. Do you know that while you are looking for work, God will still bless you. Because you want to do the right thing. Do you understand that? So the people who say, It's hunger that made me steal. It's Buhari's recession that made me steal. That's a big fat lie. They were thieves in their hearts. They just found an excuse to steal. And then it says, Rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may what? Have something to give the fellow who has a need. In other words, the Bible does not expect us to have welfareism in the church. Each one should help the other person. You cannot be a welfare case forever. You are expected to have something to give somebody else. And the somebody else you are giving is a new person in the church who is a welfare case. Because you were helped, now you help somebody. But no more stealing. No more lying. No more getting angry. In verse 24, uh, verse 29 rather. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. We must be careful what comes out of our mouth. No more abusive words. No more words that do not edify. No more words that do not build up that's what education, education is, to build somebody up, to encourage someone. He says, but what is good for necessary edification? We are not asking you to begin to, uh, what's the word now? To, to begin to bloat the ego of the man. No. We are asking you to speak words that would build his inner man, the spirit man, that edifies the spirit. Words of encouragement. Not a word that will turn him into a proud and arrogant person. In verse 30 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How do we grieve the Spirit of God? By disobeying Him. By refusing His counsel. By saying that we can do it on our own when He tells us what to do. We need to be prompt to carry out the instructions of the Holy Spirit. When we don't do that, when we debate it, we are grieving Him. I'm sure you know how, if you were an expert, how you would feel when they came to consult you for your expert advice. You gave them expert advice and they started questioning your expert advice. That was what happened to Ahitophel. Ahithophel gave the best counsel there could ever have been. But thank God for David's prayer. When Hushai came and gave a, a totally wrong counsel, Ahithophel was, was hurt deeply and went and committed suicide. May you not commit suicide? Because of pride. So that is the, that is the issue. With the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the, is the, is the be all, He's taking instructions from heaven. And telling you this is what to do. You grieve him when you when you refuse to take his instructions. You grieve him when you continue to live in sin, whilst he's telling you how to live righteously. Verse thirty one Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put away, kill it. That's what he's saying. Kill it, never to return. What are you being bitter for? Why are you wrathful? Over what? Kill it. There's no, do you know that as, when, you, when the divine nature is operating in your life, there is no basis for being bitter? Whatever state you are in, God is aware. Do you understand? You have the nature of God. So there is no basis for being bitter. What the Bible says is that all these things are in the past. They were things you used to do, used to engage in, but no longer. Do you engage in those things? You were those things, but no longer. Now you have a new nature. It's the nature of God. In verse 32, the last verse here, it says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is, I've discovered it to be the most difficult thing for Christians. We know how to ask God for forgiveness, but we don't know how to give forgiveness. And when people come to ask forgiveness from us, we make demands on them. Demands that God never made on us when he forgave us. It is time, if indeed we say that the Spirit of God is in us, that we live by the Spirit of God. It is time for us to start exhibiting the divine nature in our day-to-day life. There will be a few missteps now and again. Don't be discouraged. Just like the man who has new legs, you know. You just keep, you make a few mistakes, you continue. Have you seen babies? When they are trying to walk, they fall. Do they stop walking? They get up again. So you make a few mistakes. Don't be discouraged. Brush the thing off. That is, seek God's forgiveness. Plead the blood of Jesus and be determined that it won't happen again. And you continue to, you continue to live as God wants you to live. Now, what many of us do when we have been given prosthetics is after trying a little bit, the thing is not working. What do we do? We just go and say, Doc, move it in. In fact, we don't uh, end up, we just move it ourselves. And go and look for the old legs that were cut off, that was not working, and try to attach it. Now we have double jeopardy. The prosthetics was attacked by a doctor, a trained person. You can't attach it. The old leg was removed by a trained person. Now you want to attach it. All the joining cannot work. And the leg that you have attached back is already sinking. Can you walk with it? No. So what should you do? Stick with your prosthetics. And learn. it is a new life. Learn it. It is sad that a lot of us want to continue to live the old life when we have a new life. Learn everything about the new life. If, for example, you go to a nation and you become a citizen of that nation, one of the things one would expect you to do is what? To learn the ways of that nation. You must learn how they how they do. You cannot bring your own way into that nation. You must learn the ways of that nation and adapt your, because that's your that's now your new nation. Adapt yourself to it. In the same way, when you come into Christ, Christ becomes your new nation. Christ becomes your new Lord. Christ becomes your new all in all. Adapt yourself to Christ. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read from Colossians chapter 3. We'll jump into chapter 4. And then um, stop somewhere. If then, Colossians 3 from verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting, at the right hand of God. If indeed you were raised with Christ. Where should your, your gaze be now? Eh? Above. Not the things of the earth. So in reality. I won't build a house. I won't buy land. It's not a discussion. If you need the land. If that land is necessary. God will provide it for you. He will make it available to you. Somehow it will be there. If that house is needed. God will make it available to you. But focus on what? Above. When your gaze is above, the things you need on the earth will be taken care of. In verse 2 it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Let your mind be above. Oh, we live in the world. We hear news about things happening. You cannot do, you cannot do anything about those, those things. However, when your mind is set on the things above, your questioning about those things happening here will be directed where? To heaven. That, Lord, I'm seeing these things happening. Does it have any bearing? God can tell you, ignore it. It doesn't affect you. Let them be doing what they are doing. You continue. There's something that is coming to affect you later. Let's begin to pray about that one. Your, 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 your focus is on one person, God. Do you understand that? Now, everything that is happening may want to be a distraction or whatever. So, you just go to God, Lord, this thing that is happening, should I pay attention to it? God tell you, forget it. Please. Don't worry your head about it. Remember when... Three nations came against Joshua And he fasted and went before the Lord. What did God say? Say you are not, bat- this is my battle. I just want to make you rich. He didn't say that, I'm the one saying that now. Because we know that those who came with all the wealth and all the gold. Who goes to battle with, with gold and other things? He said, you go there to take. But they came with all those things. Into, into And God said, don't worry. It is my battle. It is my fight. It is not your fight. In verse 3 says, for you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. Again, it's bringing that reality to you. You were dead in Christ. Do you understand? You died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When when we say you are in Christ, in the spirit realm, it's a literal statement as far as the spirit is concerned. You are inside Christ. Do you understand? Your life is hidden in Christ, in God. And you died when you were in Christ. If a man dies, his liver dies. His heart dies. His kidneys die. So those who want to do, those who want to use um, organs that are donated, they try to make sure that that, that organ will be alive. So they, they must harvest the organ within a few seconds, if not maybe maximum a few minutes of the death of that person to keep the organ going. But as long as, once that man dies, the organ dies. If you are an organ in Christ, when Christ died, what happened to you? You died. When you were resurrected, when Christ was resurrected, what happened to you now? You were resurrected. Do you understand that? For example, we don't know what killed Lazarus in John 11. But Lazarus died. And his organs also died. And he was put in a cave. Is that not so? For three or four days, he was dead. And they said, by now he's thinking. You know, once a man dies, all the internal organs begin to rot. They begin to decay. So those organs were decaying. But when Lazarus was raised back from the dead, what do you think happened to his organs? All of them were raised back to life. So whatever organ killed Lazarus was repaired with the resurrection of Lazarus. So whatever organs died in Christ, they were raised up again, back to a newness of life. So the liver that died is not the liver that raised up. It's a new liver. Do do, do you get the the point now? So when you were raised with Christ, you became a new man. Let's read further. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him In glory, because you are in Christ. In verse 5 it says, Therefore, because of these things, put to death your members which are on the earth. What are these members now? Fornication. Uncleanness. Passion. Evil desire. And covetousness. Which is idolatry. The Bible regards covetousness as, as idolatry. Idolatry is having love for anything above God. So to covet something is to have love for that thing more than God. So put them to death. Kill fornication. Kill uncleanness. And we, I think we, we told you what uncleanness is. Things like masturbation, uh, bestiality, and all those crazy things. Cleanness. Passion. Strong desires for something. Ah, if I don't get this thing, I'm going to die. Oh, I need this thing. I need, I need it so badly. And your head is upside down because of one thing that you want to get. I'm, I'm reminded of um, one of David's sons who fell in love with his, with his half-sister. How does that happen? And he fell sick because of his half-sister. What kind of of passion is that? It is to be killed. Evil desire. Kill it. If you start thinking of how you are going to kill somebody, how you are going to wound somebody, how you are going to do something that will pain the person, kill it. Kill covetousness. Which is idolatry. Verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, seven in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. This is why God was angry with us in the first place. This behavior. It was for this, be, for this reason that Christ came. That he might destroy what? The works of the devil. So why should we continue in it now that we are born again? Verse 8. But now, you yourselves are to put off all these Anger. You know, we read this in Ephesians. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Fill the language out of your mouth. So really, based on what we have read here, do you think there is a place for comedians in the church? There cannot be a place for somebody who is a comedian in the church of God. Verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man. I am reading this all over again because there's, there are some physical, practical things that we are going to look at uh, d- down below. Verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. In other words, if you are lying, what has happened to you now? The old man is still intact. It has not been put off. 10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. We have been renewed in our minds. So we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of God. Verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, nor circumcised barbarians, Scythians, slave nor free. But Christ is all and in all. There is no parochialism in the church of God. There is no room for it. There is no room for Christian union, of uh, Christian fellowship of um, obigo, Indigenous. There is nothing like that. The, the, the church of God for okrikans. There is nothing like that. It does not exist. We no longer belong to an ethnic tribe. We belong to a, to a heavenly kingdom. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. What are these things? I'll just pick one or two of them and discuss. Humility is actually the nature of God. Can you imagine a high God coming to talk to man? A, A holy God talking to a sinful man. Even dying for a sinful man. What humility? What of meekness? Meekness is that you have the power to do certain things, but because of the spirit of God in you, because of the nature of God in you, what happens? You temper that power and you don't do it. In reality, you can slap somebody, but you will not slap him. Long suffering, to suffer long. If you are, suffer- if you are going through long suffering, you cannot say, I'm going, I'm, this, this thing I'm going through is long suffering. Meanwhile, you are complaining. That's not long suffering. Long suffering does not go with murmuring or complaining. Long suffering goes with joy, rejoicing. Verse 13 Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Bearing with. Many of us are short fused. We cannot accommodate other people, people who are not like us. How can he say such a thing? You don't know him. You don't know his upbringing. You don't know the way he was brought up. Let him say it. If you want to correct him, correct him in love. But don't correct him condescendingly. How can you say such a thing? Don't you know this? No, 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 no. no. That's not your be. That's not the be- bearing with one another. You, you can even bear another person's faults. Look, look, overlook his faults. Say, well, don't worry, he doesn't understand. Over- overlook it. And forgiving one another. By the time the fellow is coming to say, I'm sorry. He's already forgiven. you are not going to sit there and start discussing with him. That thing you did, he pained me. Look, anyway, right? it's just that you apologize. Otherwise, eh, you don't know what I've been planning. No, 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 that's not it. Forgive. If anyone has a complaint against another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must... Let's be starting again. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another... If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Forgive. Forbear. Look at them, look at other people as people who have not yet experienced what you have experienced in life. So overlook it. Don't account, hold on to everything. What does the Bible say about love? It says it covers what? A multitude of sins. What it means is that it overlooks faults. If the fruit of the Spirit is in you, you will overlook faults of other people. Knowing that if God did not do what he has done in your life, you will be like them. There's no room for arrogance and pride. Verse 14. But above all these things, put on what? Love, which is the bond of perfection. Love is the be all and all of everything. Your love for God, your love for fellow men, is what is going to make you to overlook other people's faults, is what's going to make you to show tender mercies to other people, regardless of where they are from. We're speaking in terms of practical Christianity now. Be a Christian in in, in practice, not in name only, but in word and in deed. Let us see the love of God in your heart. Let us see it manifest. Your fear of God, let us see it manifest. If you are a believer, you, you have the heart of God and the hands of God. It is through you that God will help others who need help. Not necessarily financial, but through you God will help. So, when you are praying for healing for somebody, it is not so that you can be, your face can be plastered on a billboard. It is because you are the hand of God to pray for that. Do you understand that now? It's not so that you can plaster your face on a billboard. There is no place for those billboards that we have all over the streets. There is no room for it. Even the billboard of the church should not have your photograph. That's the truth. Pastors are now changing their photographs on Facebook. Every, what is it for? Even Christians, what are you doing? We are changing photographs left, right and center. The females are changing photographs and and standing in seductive manners. And they are Christians. And we are to accept it as that they are Christians. Where is the new nature? Where is the new man? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. For which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Why are we afraid? Why do we fret? This is happening. Where is the peace of God? It's supposed to be there in your heart. So why are you fretful? Why are you fearful? Which was what the Lord told the disciples. Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Why can our hearts not be steady, knowing that the peace of God rests there? Is it that we don't appreciate the nature that, we have, that God has put in us? Or is it that we have not even received that nature? Let alone put on the new man. Maybe the old man is still very much there. And that's why there's so much fear. The old man was afraid of God. The old man was afraid of Satan, its master. Was afraid of God, his punisher. That's how we saw God, his punisher. And he saw Satan as his master that will give him things. So he was afraid of Satan, afraid of God. But the new man reversed God and is not afraid of Satan. The new man is a thankful man. Be thankful. We are thankful for everything. We are thankful for the food that we have eaten. We are thankful for the sack letter that we have received. We are thankful that we have not been promoted. Bible says, in all things, do what? Give thanks, for this is the will of God, for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful. Things have not gone as you planned. Be thankful. If things would go as you planned, you would you would be shocked at what you will meet ahead. But many of us, you know, when things don't go as we plan, we grumble and moan. Out of the goodness of the heart of God, God over just overlooks it. Then some years later, you sit back and you say, Oh, thank God. Oh, Thank God that God did not answer that prayer. I would have been in trouble now. We can understand that once, maybe twice. But it must not be every day. After five, years, oh, this is what God was doing five years ago. It must stop. How, how long are you going to do that? The simple truth is, you don't know what God is doing. Except God reveals to you. And if he doesn't reveal to you, so, so be it. Let's assume that we are standing, we are on the ground floor of a 50-story building. And we have a walkie-talkie or a mobile phone. And the person on floor 50 says to you, stay in, there's a demonstration going on. Then you go and put your ears out. and say, I'm not hearing noise. Is it your ear you will trust or the man who has seen with his eyes on floor 50? You can't see anything on the ground floor. And the man who has seen it is telling you there's, they are demonstrating somewhere. Don't go out. Then you go and put your ear and say, I'm not hearing any sound though. Let me go, doesn't matter, I don't think so. Who, who should you believe? Your ear or the man who saw it upstairs? God oversees everything, God has seen 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now. God has seen your posterity for, for generations to come and he's telling you what to do now so that that posterity will become something in the kingdom of God in future. You say no, you say who knows, Christ might come tomorrow. What if Christ doesn't come tomorrow? After all when Paul was writing, Paul felt that Christ was going to come, he says we who are alive, we will, we will, we will be the last to go after those who are dead in Christ, then we who are alive will be next. He thought it would come in his day. Paul has gone since the first century AD. And right now we are in the 21st century. And they are telling you to do something that will endure for generations because you cannot see it. You cannot understand it. You won't do it. No more of that. Thank God if, if it was us today that they say, Write write these letters. he said, Don't worry, I'm not writing any letter. I'm tired. I'm, I'm too lazy when it comes to writing letters. I don't want to write any letter. Why am I writing a letter? stubborn people, they won't hear me anyway. That's what we do. Meanwhile, today, are we not benefiting from this letter? Are we not? I see how quick many of us are. We are very quick to share rubbish on Facebook or Twitter or anything. But when it comes to the true word of God, we won't share it. We just look at it and skip on. But when it comes to sharing rubbish, we are the ones who are propagating all absolute nonsense. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Or abundantly. In all wisdom. Soak, the, soak yourself in the word. Or with the word. Consume the word of God. You can read it. But when I say consume, I mean eat it. Sit down on a verse. And grind that was look, look, at, look at what we have done with Acts chapter 1 verse 1. How many weeks are we, are, are we into it? It's still discussing it. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. In all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And might I add in, in, in the gospels, in the epistles, because that was they didn't even know that they were writing scripture. As far as they were concerned, what was he talking about there? Their own scripture. Psalms and hymns. Our hymns are not just to be sung. The hymns were a gift that God gave to us through the men who lived in the seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth centuries. Let's dust up our hymn books. Sometimes you, read, you, know that, you know that what you are reading here, what you are, what you are singing here, is scripture. Those hymns are scripture. They speak of how we've come to Christ. Speak of how we will reunite with Christ again in eternity. Teach one another. Admonish one another. You see your brother do something wrong, admonish him. Don't encourage him to do what is wrong. Admonish him in love. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Talking of rejoicing now. Making melody unto the Lord. In verse 7 it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all words in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is through Jesus. Whatever we are doing. Am I cleaning chairs in the church? Do it unto, don't do it to to a pastor. Do it unto the Lord. Am I called to pray? Pray as unto the Lord. Whatever assignment you have been given in church, do it as unto the Lord. Your business, do it as unto the Lord. If you are doing your business as unto the Lord, there are some businesses you cannot take into your your business. There are some practices that you cannot allow into your business. If I'm going to have a business seminar, for example, I'm not going to teach you how to do business. I'm going to teach you the simple ethics of what it means to do business. Treat everybody right. Don't seek to cheat anybody. That's the right way to conduct yourself in business. These are simple principles of of, of guiding you. You are employed, then handle your, your employer's job as though you were the one doing that job, as, as though it was you are the one who started that business. Do it well, do it well. Let it be you doing it. Now we come to the matter of applica- applicability in the real sense of the word. Verse 18, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Is that in the Bible? The Bible is not, a, it's not, it's not against women. This is not a matter of feminism or sexism. This is the reality, the practicality. If the divine nature is in you, and you have put on the new man, and you are a wife, submit to your own husband. The Bible says it is fitting in the Lord. It is a fitting thing to do. Many of us bring shame to the name of God by the way we conduct ourselves. Let me just look at, let's put a finger on, on verse 18. We are coming back to Colossians and just read First uh, Peter chapter 3 from verse 1. Wise, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be warned by the conduct of their wives. Verse 2, when they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear, reverence for God. You can win your husband to God without a word, just by your conduct. Remember when we were discussing the, that except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Remember that? And I said, it is when you are dead that you can be planted and bring forth fruit. A wife that has died will win the soul of the husband to God by her conduct. Even if she doesn't say anything. Please look at verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. stop spending time making up. Spend time building the inner man. That's what it's saying here. In verse 5 it says, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Don't follow the people of the world. Don't follow the women of the world who believe that equality is everything. And, 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 and is to, to be struggled with their husbands And we have pastors sadly Who want to preach uh, A message that is uh, uh, acceptable to women And they, they, they are happy when the women are, 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 are making noise It's not the word of God I've always said that you cannot have two captains on a ship That ship is going to crash Only one instructor in the house The husband, one implementer, the wife And it doesn't have any bearing on whether the wife is a fool or not No, that's where God has placed her Let her stay there and it, it is not because God hates her. No! There's a plan and purpose for her life. Let her be, let her be, let her rejoice in the place that God has placed her. It is fitting in the Lord for a wife to submit to her own husband. In verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. When we talk of love, what are we talking about? We're not talking of an emotional thing. We are talking of an act of benevolence that is not the result That is not based on the behavior of the recipient. But on the nature of the one who is being benevolent. I will love my wife because it is my nature to love. Not because she is misbehaving. Or or rather, not because she is behaving herself well. Do you understand? I have to love my wife whether she is behaving well or not. That is the reality. It has nothing to do with whether she is behaving or misbehaving. Just like in the matter of submission of the wife... It has nothing to do whether the husband is born again or not. Or whether he's a good husband or a bad husband. Just submit to him. I'm reminded again of, uh, what's her name? Abigail. And um, what's the fellow's name? Nabal. Nabal was a horrible man. But Abigail played a major role in Nabal's life. Protecting him and his, and his children and his, uh, his household. Against David, who was coming to finish him. Abigail could have stepped aside and said, don't mind, he's a, a foolish man. They would have killed her as well. And God helped her. A few days after, in fact the next day when he he told the man, the man had a stroke. A few days later he died. And she was free from that man's bondage. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be bitter towards them. They may be annoying, they may be insulting. Love her. Go and lock yourself in a room when he has annoyed you. And pray. Pray out the anger. Pray out the bitterness. Don't be bitter towards your wife. This is the practicality of the divine nature in our hearts. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. In how many things? all things. For this is well pleasing to who? To the Lord, not to your parents. God is pleased with it. When you have the divine nature, what do you want to do? You want to please God. So we obey our parents. In all things. I mean, a, a, a child, you are not the one paying your school fees. Your father says, I want you to do, to do medicine. You are arguing with him. I don't want to do medicine. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Go and ask those, those people who dictate for their children. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to do this. Those children end up becoming the leaders in the country. Because they listen to their parents. Their parents can recommend them to anybody. The man went to to study law. That his father said study. He would have loved to be a poet. But he went to study law. The father is there. My son is in law school. As he's coming out. He's walking your chambers. From that chamber. You just see this boy getting some offices that you don't expect. How did he get there? Because the father who told him to go and study. is invested in him. But they told you to study law. You say you want to, you want to be a poet. Go and study your poetry now. Will your father be invested in you? You can be happy and say, Oh, my, my son is a poet. I don't know what that means, but he's a poet. Maybe if you want to write your wife a letter, go and ask him. He will tell you the words that uh, that's what he is. Uh, uh, you know the children of today? That's all you'll be saying. You know children of today? You know children of today? So, uh, me, I don't know where to fix him. So he's looking for work. If you can find something for him, find something for him. He's a poet. Maybe, do you, do you know anybody in daily times? Or some, put him in times. Some, let him go and be doing poetry with poetry. Thing. But if the father wanted you to be, if his father wanted him to be a poet, you know that he will go out of the way to make sure that he's established. Do, do you understand? That is the same thing here. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Verse 21. Fathers! You see, speaking to, why is God focusing on the household at this point in time? Because everything emanates from your household. When he's talking about a bishop, he starts with the household of the bishop. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they be discouraged. It's not every time you say, hey, hey, hey. No. Sometimes overlook the foolishness of the child. Then one of these days you just take him on a walk. You see that thing you did was foolish. I didn't want to say anything at like that time. Have you learnt your lesson? It's yes. okay. Don't do it again. Let's continue. Don't, provo- don't, don't provoke them to become rebe- rebels. Some children are rebellious, not because, well, of course, you know, we, they already have the nature of rebellion. But somebody put the fire and catalyzed that rebellion in them. Does that also mean that we should be patting our children in the head when they do something wrong? No! Spare the rod you spoil the child. Don't spare the rod. Twack his buttocks. If you have a child who is in his 20s, and is living under your roof, and he misbehaves you, come here. I am still able to flog you. And you grab the cane and actually twerk the child. You don't like it, go get your own accommodation. When long you're inside this house, you do what I tell you to do. Discipline your child. Your are have saying, they say, the child that refuses home training, they will train him outside, and it will be worse. Many of the people who refuse home training, they are in prison. Society is now training them. Where? In prison. They didn't need society to train them in prison if they had listened to the training at home. You'll be shocked sure that some of them were not trained to greet good money. I went to, what's this place called? This is Eche Waterside. I just took a walk. Throughout one, uh, one section of it, I was amazed that the children there don't know how to greet. Even some of the parents were not greeted, I was just walking by. If people would go, ah, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Said, good morning. But many of the children there, not one would say good morning. So I began to say to myself, what kind of child, what kind of children are they raising up here? Do you know that many say to a policeman, sorry, sir, you can walk away? Or, ah, officer, good morning. You can, no, they won't even look at you twice. But yes, said, ah, who is this fellow? Who are you? What are you doing on the road? Yeah, yeah, they will park, 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 park. They will will open the the carpet. They know there's nothing there. They will cause you to say what you shouldn't be saying. Then they will now take you to the police station. That you were rude. Is that an offense? I don't know that's an offense, but they will tell you you were rude. They can't write it on the board, but they will will detain you there. That you were rude to a police officer. Fathers do not provoke your children, lest they be discouraged. Look at verse 22. Born servants, obey in all things your masters. According to the flesh. Not with eye service as men please us. But sincerity of heart fearing God. Do you see that all things zero back to who? God. It is for the sake of God that we behave this way. Not for the sake of any man. Now when we talk of bond servants. We also include those of you who are working in offices. Because you got a letter of employment. What are you now? A bond. You are bound by that letter of employment. Your master. Your employer says. Be at work at eight. Be there at eight. When you are late begging, okay, I'm sorry, it will not happen again, it was because I was uh, I overslept or this don't go and say, <clears throat> I had vigil last night, that's why I was late they will sack you, big time, you had vigil eh? it, what, what was my business with the vigil one, one man of God said, he, he, he was the employer, another, another believer came, came late it was I think one hour late, or one or two hours, very late, and he came in, so the, he now asked the boy that, why are you late, he said ah, <laughs> so I, had, I had vigil last night Said okay, you had vigilance. I said, Yes. I hope God, I hope you prayed very well. He said, Yes. Take that's your letter sack. Because that vigil is not important. That you go and tell him I had vigil. Okay, I'm sorry, sir. Eh. Because they will like, say, Okay, I'm sorry, sir. I, I, in fact, it shouldn't happen again. I had vigil, but I, it's not an excuse, sir. You know, there's a way you will communicate something. The same thing. The man will say, Okay, this is a wise boy. Sit down. That letter you just shred it. But there's something there is way you behave yourself. He hasn't written letter. say, Oh yeah, secretary, come, take it, take note. What's your name again? Please put in. Uh, Mr. Susan Susan, what's your name again? Uh, adebayo this. Yeah, put it there. You are sacked. Just type it and bring. Let me sign. Stand there, stand there, stand there. Where we signing? Call the accountant for me. Accountant, how many days has he worked? Minus today. They, uh, pay him and give him his letter. Bye bye. That's the end. Then you now come to church. Say, Pastor, we have to pray. A prayer of fire. That man fired me. We must fire him back. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord, because you broke the terms of the bond of the bond that you had with him. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but sincerity of heart fearing God. And whatever you do, do it how? Heartily. As to who? The Lord and not to. Do you, do you understand what is, what is happening here? Who gave you that job now? God. Who put you in that house as a maid? God. Who sent you to that office to, to bid for that contract that you have won? God. So, how should you do that job as though you are doing it to God? Do you know that if we are doing roads in Nigeria as unto the Lord, we can't do some of those shoddy things that we are seeing on the road. If, we, if our service is as unto the Lord, you will, you will do your work knowing who is looking at you. It's not your master, but who? God. And he sees everything, even in the dark. And when God sees that you are willing to please him in whatever employment you have taken, that is when God will begin to promote you provided, the promotion is not going to take you to a place where he doesn't want you to be. We must understand these things. How did Joseph serve Potiphar? He served so well that Potiphar elevated Joseph to become the chief of the servants. Verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord, from who now? You will receive what? The reward of the inheritance. For you serve who? The Lord Christ. That's who you are serving. When the wife is submissive to the husband, who is she submitting to now? When the husband is loving the wife, who is he loving now? Do you understand? When a child is obeying the parents, who is the child obeying now? God. When the father is not provoking the child, who is the father not provoking? The Holy Spirit. Remember, grieve not the Spirit of God. Verse 25. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Who is going to allow him to be repaid? God. Let's jump to Colossians chapter 4 verse 1. Masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Do you see that it's all related to who? To ultimately it's to God. So you are an employer of labor. Do what is just. Do what is fair. Pay a fair wage. Show kindness. Oh, the fellow earns salary beautiful. But something has happened. A need has arisen. Help him if you can. Do you understand? Don't put yourself in a situation where you are, you, are, you are not willing to help your employees. Verse two, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. The divine nature does not does not exclude you from prayer. And by the way, prayer must not be limited to the purview or the domain of asking, of requests. Prayer is a time to communicate and commune with God. Do you understand? When we kneel down to pray, we are not just kneeling down because we want to ask. We are kneeling down because we want to discuss. We want to talk to God. We want to have conversation with Him. So we must pray always. Honestly. Father, did you see that traffic yesterday? Wow, that was something. And as you are discussing with God, God can tell you, that traffic, I brought it about because of this, this, this. Glory be to God, oh, thank you, Father. You didn't tell me that time, but it's okay. I wasn't grumbling anyway. I I wasn't complaining. I'm just telling you that. I'm just trying to tell you my day. You can do that. Verse 3, meanwhile, pray also for us. Your prayer must also include intercessions. must also include intercessions not only for believers, but also unbelievers. And particularly those who preach the gospel. He says, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. Let's ask the Lord to to, to, to to spread his word through the lips of those who are preaching, not necessarily pastors, as many as are scattered all over the world. Even those of you who are in employment, that God, you can pray. Father, let brothers and sisters and so in their office be able to communicate your word effectively to their superiors, to their subordinates, and to their colleagues. You can pray. Many of you feel that "Ah, I can't pray for more than five because I don't know what to pray. There are so many things to pray for. You'll be there for two hours praying, especially when you remember your your brothers and your sisters who are in the field, who are out there in their their place of employment. Verse 4. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That he's still talking about that he might be able to preach the gospel and make it clear. In verse 5 he says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Redeeming the... The divine nature does not work anyhow. Amongst those who are unbelievers, those are those who are outside. Among unbelievers, we must walk with wisdom. We must conduct ourselves with wisdom. When they look at you, they say, ah, now wow. You're, 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 you're you are should, different. You should be saying to God, Lord, from now on, even when they have insulted Christians, when they see me, let them say, I've seen horrible Christians, but I've seen one that has made nonsense of all those horrible Christians. I now agree that Christians are truly the children of God. Let it start with me. You go to a shop, you bought something, let me ask you a question. You know, they now rece- some ch- shops now receive what you buy. So, you can check back at home. So, let's assume you, you bought something and you forgot to take it from the counter. When you, get, when you got home now, you discover that that thing is missing. What do you do? You go back to pick it, right? Now, what if when you checked out, they mistakenly put two instead of one? What are you supposed to do? You must take it back. The same speed with which you were going to collect that one that you forgot. That same speed. Don't delay. Don't say, tomorrow I will go. Go now and drop it. When they say, thank you, thank you. Say, don't worry. Don't worry. It's, it's, it's not mine. It's yours. Walk away from there. Somebody might just not to say, bro, I'm sorry, are you, are you a believer? Say yes. Which church do you attend? It doesn't matter the church. I'm a believer. That's what matters. That's what matters. That you're a believer. It's not your church. Do you understand? There are people who go to all kinds of churches and do all kinds of crazy things. I saw two young men today when I went out to Evangelize. They were, they were smoking marijuana in one classroom in one of the schools there. I came and I said, well, I want to talk to you about this thing you are doing. By the way, um, have you heard of the Lord Jesus Christ before? They said yes. Is said good. So... How did you hear about him? What, what is it to you? Oh, he's my Lord and Savior. I said, ah, is your what? Lord and Savior. I said, okay. So, are you telling me that you, are, you attend church? I said, yes. He this one mentioned the name of church. The other one mentioned the name of church. They just came back from church. So, I told her, I said, now we have a problem. Because you also know that you have a problem. This thing you are doing, you know it's wrong. They were shaking their head. Of course they know that it's wrong. I said, but you can't help yourself and be good. Now, I want to tell you how God is going to help you to solve this problem. That the nature in you likes this thing. But there's the nature God wants to give to you. That nature must, your nature must change. It's not the time to go and be telling them, do you want to give your life to Christ? No, no. I told them, I said, I am sure you have given your life to Christ many times. They're laughing. And I'm sure that they must have done it as as recently as today. And still ended up smoking. We need to walk in wisdom towards men who are outside. We are not brash towards them. I attended one one prayer meeting. And this fellow came. He said, the son of the bond woman will not live with the son of the free woman. Who is the son of the bond woman? The houses are the son of the bond women. And who are the son of the free women? The southerners are the son. Not Christians. So the southerners are the son of. I looked at the fellow from up to top. I said something is wrong with this man. God forgive him, because he, he doesn't know what he's saying. You know there are some young men like that. They just hear one small thing and they have they, they have trained their voices to sound as if they have baths. Where father? We are going to pray now. The son of the bond woman must not play with this one of. You. What are you talking about? Do you know what you're saying? Do you know that in National Rock now, they are doing this now, they are doing that? When the other man was there, were they not doing worse? What are you talking about? It's of you to pray that, Father, that man who is the president today, he is not, he's not a believer, he's not born again. No. I don't know how you're going to do it. Somehow, Father, meet him. Maybe he's on the toilet bowl, speak to him. He is at the age when he can die anytime. Father, meet him at the point of the maybe this is why you made him to be present. That when we are praying for our leaders, we will pray for him. You know, that is the right way to do things. When you enter into an office, you talk to somebody, you don't go rah, Like the people of Paul will go, yes, who's in this office? I want to tell you, you are doing rubbish. No, you go there like a gentleman. <laughs> why are you laughing? Is that not how they come and harass you? So you go there and say, Sir. Please, I'm asking for so and so person. Who is the head of this building in this place? I have a problem. My, my, the statement you sent. Let's say let's, see, let's use NEPA. The bill you sent. This bill cannot be true now. NEPA. NEPA, uh, PHEDC. This bill cannot be true now. They say, eh, eh, wait Did I shout at you when I came? Look at it again. You know, by the time you speak, 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 sometimes I say, okay, bring it, bring it, let's see. But when you go there, when you now feel, you say, i a believer. I say, believer for where? One day I went to buy tire, and some people were harassing me. Come and buy from us. I said, get away from here. I want to buy from the other place. As they continue to insist and insist, I just blew my top and yapped them from top to toe. After I finished yapping them, it dawned on me that yeah, you're a believer. And this is a perfect opportunity to evangelize. As I turned to evangelize, one man said, I said and you they shout like that, you want preachers? I said, look, oh boy, not be every time. We we'll we do gentle, gentle, gentle. I used Shakara and added you. Eventually, that boy, who I shouted at, became, he surrendered his life. We spoke. He became become my friend today. I, I, in fact, anything I want to battle, I just call his number and tell him I'm looking for this thing. He said, okay, 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 I will, I will find it before you come. But I was ashamed of myself after I did that. And I knew I had to make amends. So we need to work with what? Wisdom be guided by the fact that you must be calm at all times. Finally, verse six. Let your speech, this is the same thing we are saying, let your speech always be with what? Grace. 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 We're not talking of the name grace now, We're talking of the action of grace. Because some graces, there's no grace in their speech. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with what? Salt. Do you know when food it's not sweet. If you put salt, what will happen? You will eat it. There's a way you will talk to the person, the thing you didn't want to accept before, you will accept it. Why? Because your speech was with grace seasoned with salt. There's a way to present the gospel to the most hardened of criminals. You don't go there and say, Ah, now they smoke this thing. Look, you are going to hell. You are going to hell. They say, You said you they go there. Get out from this place. Before we take match and throw you out of the place. But but don't you go there and tell them, bro. This thing go on they do. If they turn man head though, I do talk say you go turn your head, God no go, God no go agree, make it turn your head. They say amen. They say good. So that God no go agree, make it turn your head, I want not tell you which thing you go do. Do you understand? There's a way to speak and they will listen to you. There's a way you will speak. Nobody will listen. It doesn't matter what you are bringing, they will listen to you. You so say, get away from me, I'll not listen to you. That you may know how you ought to answer each one. It's not the way you answer A that you will answer B. Do you understand that? this is this is the practicality of this life that we're talking about. it was prophesied or promised spoken about by god then provision was made by god in making that provision it is expected that you will submit yourself or surrender yourself to the holy spirit when you have submitted yourself now there's the practicality so nobody can say i don't know how to live as a wife i don't know how to live as a junior brother as a junior sister uh, it's very difficult for me to live as, a, as an employee. Because the Bible does not talk of employee. Born servant is an employee. Do you understand? Oh, uh, a young man says, well, you know, I, I just got married uh, last year. I don't know how to be a father. Read the Bible. You will see how to be a father. Do not promote your child. Act like a husband. You don't, if you are married, you just carry back. You are going out. You are, you are traveling. For one week, a married man. You should have been a bachelor. Before you make that trip for one week, you should have been discussing with your wife for at least two or three months. She's preparing her mind that she'll be alone for one week. You just don't carry your bag and say you're going to put away. She will tell you when you are, she'll go and say, don't buy me anything. You say, why not? Don't buy me. What did you say? I'm not sanctioning. That's your trip. Praise the name of the Lord. Many believers in Christ are today bringing reproach to the name of God among unbelievers. Because of the way they are living among them. In Romans chapter 2 verse 24, the Bible says, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Many believers have made rubbish of the name of God because of the way they are living. You say, you will be a Christian. Which, which, who, which church we are to accept? Who be that your pastor? The way they do. We must recognize who we are representing. Who are we representing, please? Who? You remember. When we're reading Colossians, particularly the matter of wives, husbands, it was in relation to who? To God. The wife should recognize that I am married to this man for the sake of Christ, not because of him. The husband should realize that I am married to this woman not because of her, but because of who? Christ. Some, some men say, ah, pastor, if, look, that woman, she's a very troublesome woman. You know why? Because her troublesomeness will purify you. You will not be able the thing that she's giving you If she doesn't give it to you, you cannot withstand it outside. So she's doing all of that. God is allowing that thing to happen so that you can be edified. You can grow. The same thing with the wife and the husband. The husband you have, like one one man of God said, a wife deserves the husband she has. A husband deserves the wife he has. Even if you say you made a mistake, that's the wife you deserve Because your eye drove you there. You were looking for curves, so you deserve the curves. And everything that goes... Because. Remember that the Bible tells us when we're reading First Peter, it says not about the outward appearance, but what? The inward beauty, right? If you are a single man wanting to get married, can you see the inner beauty? You know you can't. God has to tell you that that woman is beautiful inside. The same thing with the woman and a man. Whilst you are looking for a man that has a BMW or a Range Rover or some strange car, is it the car that makes the man? There's something on the inside that God has seen. God says, Marry that man. He's trekking now, but marry him. Except that man is a fool, which I don't think he will be. That you married him when he was trekking. Now you have a car. You now tell him, you now tell your wife, you can't enter that car. Can, can you say that? You, did, you had nothing when you were married to the woman. But the man that has everything, when you married him, he will tell you, There, 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 come, come, come. This car, where you did when I buy her, if you touch the key, and you know you don't have a right to touch it, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, from 14 through to chapter 7, verse 1. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Let me explain this matter of unequal yoking. If you are a farmer in those days, and you wanted to yoke two oxen for the purpose of plowing, you have to be sure of their strength, that they are almost of equal strength, and that their neck is of equal thickness. Their height must also be equal. Then you yoke them together. The reason is this. If one is stronger than the other, the stronger one will break the neck of the weaker one. So, when an unbeliever, uh, when a believer rather, is unequally yoked, what does it mean? It means that weight for weight, height for height, size for size, they are unequal. And one is going to break the neck of the other. Usually, it is the unbeliever that will break the neck of the believer. Because the believer to have gone into such a union has already been weakened. Whether it is marriage, or it is business, or whatever, there is no, there can be no equal yoking where one party is a believer, the other party is a non-believer. Some people say, ah, how how are we going to win them to Christ? If, no, they don't have to be joined to you in business. You can win them in Christ apart from being joined with you in business. What of employers and employees? If you're an employee, it's not an equal yoking. You you got a job. If you're an employer, you can employ anybody. You you are the one employing. It's, they are not partners with you. But when we talk of partnership in business, you have um, Grace and Ray and Co. Grace is a believer. Ray is a stark unbeliever. And they are, they are partners. 50 50. Then Grace says, Ah, my pastor prayed and we got this business. He says, Ah, okay. So I need to give, we need to give something to the church. Ray is not making any noise. You give to the church. Then Ray says, By the way, as your pastor was praying, my chief priest was also praying. So we need to give something to my chief priest. What will Grace say? Say no, my money can't go to can you say that? But you were happily joined together with him. Do you understand that? So no unequal yoke. You married an unbeliever, and now you want to convert him. He said, Man of God, you need to pray. Did you not know he was an unbeliever? Did you ask God? For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What union? Fellowship is about sharing. What part? So he uses those parts. Person- and what communion has light with darkness? Have you seen as this place is lit? Any place that is not lit, what, what what do you have there? Darkness. Do you see them coming together? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? You have no part. Verse 16 And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord in fact when that problem existed in um, in Israel under Nehemiah and they brought, it, they brought it to the fore what happened, the men had to let their wives go who were foreigners we read these things and we just bypass it you need to break those relationships instantly, if you are married you are married, there is nothing you can do about that one because you, you, you took your two eyes and entered it, the so there's nothing you can do about that one. You are married; you are married. Just be, the prayer you didn't want to pray before you pray there in the marriage. Second Corinthians chapter seven verse one. Therefore, as a result of all that you have heard, having these promises, promises of God, be your Father, the promise of God dwelling among you, the promise of God being with you, being your support, being your defense, being everything. Let us do what: cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. But that's not the case. Many of us, we we are so unequally yoked to unbelievers. And badly too. Because the name of God is blasphemed among them. While they profess to be Christ's, they live and exhibit non-Christ-like traits. Yet, God's main goal is that all who believe in Christ should live as Christ lived while he was here on earth. Else, they will be cast forth as reprobates and undesirables before God. Christ came not only to die for our sins and to give us the power to live right. He also came to show us how to relate with God, how to relate with men. Do you understand? That is why we must read the gospels. As we read the gospels, we see how Christ related to the Pharisees, how it related to the Sadducees, how it related to the poor people and so on and so forth. We see that the miracles he did was not because he wanted to be To be, to be known as a popular preacher. He did it to prove the power of God. Being able to deal with every situation. It is just crucial that believers in Christ. First become like Christ. Before they can act like Christ. Becoming like Christ means that the nature of Christ is in the believer. In Christ. Otherwise he or she will be unable to act like Christ. The practice of living as Christ lived is to be based on the prophecies and principles stated in the Bible concerning the Christ-like life of the New Testament believer. What we're talking about now. The practical Christianity cannot be removed from the promise or the prophecy in the Bible and the principles or provision that God has made for you to live that way. Do you understand? You can't form a way of living and say, I want to live like that. No. You must follow the precepts as in the Bible. Otherwise, it is dead works. Thus, the operation required for the new believer to be able to live like Christ is scripturally one that requires a complete change of his or her nature. From the sinful human nature, the old man, to the divine nature, the new man. It's an operation and it's scripturally right. It is done by the application of the cross through Christ With the action of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the old man is what? Crucified on that cross. And by the Spirit of God, the new man, a newness of life is brought in. Indeed, only by crucifying the flesh, the sinful human nature acquired at birth because of Adam's sin. And its passions, desires and lusts that we acquired along the way. Can the believer in Christ truly live like Christ lived? If the flesh is not crucified, you cannot live like Christ lived. I, remember the example I gave? The goat and the lion. No matter how much you clothe the, the goat in lion skin, no matter how much you send the goat in lion skin to lion school, he cannot catch an antelope. He is content to eat grass. Do you understand? So, no, it's not the number of times you go to church, but whether the nature has changed. If you go to church and in going to church your nature has changed, beautiful, church worked for you. But if you are going to church and your nature has not changed, sorry, you need to do something. It's dependent on you. No matter how much a believer in Christ may try, he will fail to live like Christ. So long as the nature of Christ is not formed in him or her. Hence, he or she must be open and yielded to God's spiritual operation through the Holy Spirit's application of the cross of Christ. Death to one's will and desires. The the cross comes so that your will, your passions, your desires, they are placed on the cross and crucified there. Killed totally and completely. You have none of your own anymore. That is the application of of the cross of Christ to him or her. Thus, a believer in Christ is made to conform to the image of Christ as he or she yields to the Holy Spirit who is in him or her. And he or she is able to receive, that is put on, the very life of Christ, to replace after he or she has put off the old life of sin. Let's bow our heads. I have no power of my own. I have no power
1: of my own. Holy Spirit, I look up to you Help me, I have no power of my own, I have no power of my own, I have no to you help me, I want you to talk to the Lord now. Say, Lord, I have no power of my own. Help me, help me, help me. Keep me the mind of Christ, Lord. Replace this fleshly earthly, sensual mind. This mind that is pursuing worldliness. Can't do it by myself. Every time I try, I change. Help me Lord. Change my nature. Change my nature. Oh,
0: mind of Christ. The mind that does not seek its own. The mind that rather seeks to please
1: God. The mind that seeks to do the will of God. Give me the mind of Christ.
2: Give me the mind of Christ. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord.
1: Do something new in my life. Something new in my life, something new in my life, oh Lord, do something new in my life, something new in my life. Thank you,
0: Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let go of God say better, Amen. Amen. God bless you.